Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to Cave Across Projects. I am Patrick. And I'm Tony. And uh, we're going through our book, Against All Opposition, by the Greg Bonson. And uh, so far, we've learned uh, the true definition of what faith is, that both uh, sides or all sides have a, a faith commitment, a trust, and that's how you properly define it. Uh, that's how the Bible defines it, how the Greek defines it. Um, it's uh, it's what uh, we've... we've uh, known that was the the case of what uh, faith means and it's only uh, kind of recently that we've uh, come to only religiousize it a, a bit more than what uh, we need to and there are certain elements uh, obviously that that we put forth uh, when we talk about faith and uh, the importance of it but uh, but ultimately it comes down to trust and having confidence in the source uh, of your ultimates. And we talked about that as well as having ultimate standards that you can't regress further back or else that further back one would be your ultimate standard. Uh, and then we talked about uh, um, that uh, everyone has presuppositions coming into it, that uh, no one's just uh, there for the bare facts, that uh, everything's interpreted through the lens of uh, what you allow in, uh, your presuppositions and, and what you bring to the table. And so uh, now uh, Bonson asks us, well, how then should we reason as Christians, and what, is, so what does that gonna, mean? He's going to take these various ideas that we've just been looking at with regard to, uh, you know, our presuppositions and assumptions and that sort of thing, right. and he's going to try to help us to see how they affect us, how they should affect us in our reasoning, right, right in right. this particular chapter, right. Reasoning as a Christian should, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is probably something that you you do uh if if you've never had experience with presupposition uh if you uh interact uh in the political world this is something that kind of hit, hits closer to your base assumptions when people are talking about um how to live or what what we should do with children or uh whatever the current zeitgeist is uh, uh you you might find yourself on the opposite lines because of your uh preformed commitments to uh, to your Christian way of life. And so uh, uh, what Bonson is going to say here is that it doesn't just apply to uh, the, the, the moral side. It doesn't apply to just the things on Sunday, but it applies to everything in the world because everything is God's creation. Everything is God's truth. And uh, all people are made in his image, so it applies to everybody. So um, uh, that, that's what uh, that's what the the Christian way of life is. It's turning the hearts. It's turning our eyes and focusing on God and doing things His way. Which is, if if you kind of think of a train track, getting the the, the train back on the tracks and following it down the path, you're you're uh, committed to this this straight and narrow way of of moving. And everyone else that does it, they found different ways to do it. Well, <laughs> this is the correct way because you're a train and. You're now on the track, and yeah, you're can you imagine right what would way. happen if the train says, "Well, I don't think I want to be on the track today. I'm going to get off the track because I want freedom." Yeah. Right. Just well, what happens to a train that goes <laughs> off the track? There's no freedom, right? In fact, they don't go very far, right, for right. very long. Right. Yeah. And we were built for to be on the track, right. as it were. Exactly. <laughs> and so, in previous chapters, we've been talking about the way underlying convictions control the way you interpret the eyeball facts you see in your life. The, those those brute facts that we we like. Oh, just give me the facts, just the facts, ma'am. It's Joe Friday, from a <laughs> old TV show, old radio show. I would say. Uh, but just the facts also, uh, we're, we're not Spock, we're Kirk. 
uh, whether we like we like it or not. If you want to pick Picard, that's fine too. But uh, but it's it's not just oh I've come and, and applied heartless logic to it. Uh, there are there are preconceptions that we have uh, when when facing any fact. And so when you put a fact out there, the way in which a person is going to respond to it depends upon his underlying assumptions. The most important thing you can do, therefore, is defending the faith as a Christian is to learn to reason as a Christian should reason. So does the Bible talk about that? Absolutely it does. <laughs> Absolutely it does. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he tells us it's, it's, uh, it isn't so important that you amass an encyclopedia's worth of evidence, although, you know, you should have oh, some Oh, that's fun. Evidence, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. Here are the minimal yeah. facts to but, prove that Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those, those are good. Yeah. You know, Habermas is, is a genius for, for, you know, really honing in on those. Right. But he says that, um, you know, that isn't the crucial point. Uh, the crucial point is to learn how to think as a Christian, Right. You don't have to master all the high-level details of what everybody out there believes because uh, from his perspective and using his methodology here, you can talk to just about anybody if you know the right questions to ask and you know what to push uh, on regarding their operational assumptions. So if you want to develop a, a Christian worldview that allows you to defend the faith in this way, he's going to give us some pointers. And at the beginning of this particular chapter, he gives that old illustration about the guy who believed he was dead so right? good so yeah. good yeah and he's going to use that to help kind of make his argument as a as a basic illustration to what's going on with regard to facts and assumptions right so here's this guy who thought he was dead i think everybody knows the story right uh the the psychologist is working with him tries to do everything to help him to say no you really not dead <laughs> finally he thinks well what if i could convince him that dead people don't bleed and so he gives them all of these facts about how dead people, you know, how how the blood works, the circulatory system works, and that sort of thing. And finally, the guy says, okay, yeah, I believe you. Dead people don't bleed. <laughs> and then quickly he grabs his hand, pokes his finger, and there's blood. And, of course, the guy looks at it and said, wow, I guess dead people do bleed. Uh -huh. <laughs> right? Right. And so there is this controlling assumption, even though he had all the facts, right? And so that's the kind of the, the point that he's trying to make here with regard to assumptions, presuppositions, and facts. How you view the facts oftentimes depends on your assumptions, presuppositions, right. and that sort of thing, right? And so this guy came up with a rescue, rescuing device so that he could uh, save his uh, basic assumptions and presuppositions. Right. His rescuing device was, even though he had the facts, well, I guess dead people do bleed. <laughs> right. right, right. There, there, there's a uh, 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 harder uh, to wrestle from him idea, and so uh, you know, pricking his finger and and showing him, oh, th th there's a small amount of blood. That, that's that's a kind of a lesser degree, and so he he saves his his uh, held, f further held on to belief of of not changing his mind fully of of dead people. Uh, of him being dead uh, to just slightly change that. Oh, I guess dead people do bleed. It is possible, and so uh, that's what Bonson hit home, especially uh, last chapter as well. Is you know, if you talk about oh, uh, you know, it, let me convince you that it's raining outside, and I uh, convince you, uh, no, what you think it's raining outside is really, you know, it, it's it's just a sprinkler on the lawn. You go, okay, I, I guess it can be changed. Well, that's way different than. Uh, let me uh, ask you about whether it's okay to uh, 
eat children and and what, what <laughs> if it's moral to 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 cheat on your wife i mean those are way more centrally held in you and so changing your mind on uh eating bugs or babies or cheating on wife uh might might take more uh more out of it to um to to wrestle that away from you and so that that's what uh that's how this process of reasoning and and looking at things uh through a biblical lens to um, gets us to uh, where we want to go. Right, and he says there's basically different levels of belief. Right. And so the basic beliefs we kind of hold on to, there are, you know, beliefs around the preferent, you know, the the boundary, as it were, and uh, those we can change or modify. You know, when I was reading this, I was reminded of Thomas Kuhn and his discussion of paradigms mm. and how that works in the philosophy of science, yeah. which is yeah. really similar to the type of things that Martin is describing here. Yeah, the the revolutions of science and uh, how, how it's always viewed as the the outposts. And, yeah. Well, first we need to be self conscious about our own presuppositions. In Proverbs one seven, the writer tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge for everybody. That's right. Especially you, especially <laughs> you, Christian. You should know something about the underlying theological conventions convictions that make you a Christian. What do you believe about God, the creation of the world, the relationship to God in the world, how he saves people from their sins, how we know what we know about God and how he calls upon us to live. And those things out of anything, especially if you say, here's my underlying assumption for all truth is that God exists. Well, it's probably best to know what God says so that way your your biggest weapon is there. It's forefront. You're living it. And those are the ones that are most held to you. Uh, one of the positive things that I see about um, presuppositionalism that I see less in maybe classical is that uh, because we reason down from God, uh, we have more of a commitment to Christian belief. And so uh, it's while it's certainly possible uh, for, for heresy to come in at, at any point uh, uh, if, if you're uh, clearly mistaken, or if you're a bad faith actor or you just want it to be the case, those things have less likely to come in because you're already predisposed to go to the word of God for it. Where if you're reasoning up, well, maybe hell isn't really hell. Maybe it's just this uh, kind of waiting place or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is just a thought experiment in the mind of God that, uh, that he, he wants you to really, really choose him. And so, so there are varying degrees of doctrinal, a sway that might happen or can pain happen in, in heaven. And so here, here's the logical reasons for it because I'm reasoning up from a base assumption. Uh, but if, if the, the beginning of wisdom starts with fear of the Lord, then uh, th- there's our, our commitment. And that's not saying anything to poo poo uh, that all classicalists are heretics, but just the, the starting point uh, is, is, is where we should uh, realize is where our importance is. Right. And it's entirely possible to have incorrect uh, philosophical ideas as a presuppositionalist, and you didn't get there from Bible, but you got there through a logic, and you find out that you're wrong later. Well, it's much easier then to to be convinced otherwise rather than, well, did God really say, you know, uh, uh, trust on the Lord Jesus with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? <laughs> all his ways follow him. Well, except for these ways, I mean, you know, it, it, it it's it's easier for us to 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 lean back and and be harder to change on the word of God. So that sounds like the 
Did God really say you will surely die? <laughs> you will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyone who starts off the question like that, maybe, may, really may, maybe, yeah, you, you, maybe not choose any food right. from, from their house. There's trouble coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat their apple. <laughs> so the first one here, as you said, is that we need to be self-conscious conscience or conscious about our uh, our own presuppositions right and we need to know what we know with regard to and understand what we know with regard to these theological issues he says we also must realize that neutrality is not a possibility for us right. so again this is still under point one <laughs> but um, he says it's impossible for us to set aside our Christian convictions and enter into a discussion with someone like a professor or roommate or whoever by saying Let's all be neutral about this. Let's pretend we don't have presuppositions. He says we should not do that. He says when we pretend that we don't have presuppositions and let the unbeliever pretend that you don't have presuppositions, then guess whose presuppositions you're going to be using, right? Let's pretend we don't have any presuppositions about the Bible. Okay, fine. So you're using the unbeliever's presuppositions, yeah. right? I had a, a discussion on uh, our YouTube comments uh, about this. Uh, the, 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 the atheist said, I don't need a standard to make knowledge claims. I just make observations, ponder them, assemble a hypothesis, and voila, out comes knowledge claims. <laughs> so I have no presuppositions oh, ex- right, except right. for all those. <laughs> the, the Put ability the bread to know in there, things. push the button, and out comes toast, right? That's the, the toaster uh, view <laughs> right. of knowledge. Right. But then you have to know to push the button down. You need to know to <laughs> yeah. plug it in. You need, yeah, yeah, exactly. That it is a toaster. Yeah. That you, know, that, you, that you do have bread. bread. Yeah. 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 So, yes, uh, you know, I, I have no preconceptions is a preconception. <laughs> right. All right, so uh, this is the point that he says he wants to drive home. If you start out with a Christian worldview, bowing the knee and the heart to the Lord, if you begin with Christian presuppositions, a Christian perspective, then you can make sense out of this world. Because that's what we're claiming when we say we're Christians. We're following Christ, that, that God made the world and everything in it, and that all things point to Christ and his redemption process. And uh, we uh, are sinners and we're led astray. Uh, our, our entire um, being is changed to a, a selfish heart, a, a prideful heart. And we need God to come in and change that heart and point us to his direction. That's what we're saying when we're saying, I'm a Christian and this is how we think. And you should be too. Unless if you don't, and then I have a hard time believing that you understand the Christian message. But if you do not start with that, you can't make sense out of what Bonson says here of anything. You will end up despising wisdom and instruction. Why? Because of our initial uh, preconception that all truth is God's truth. And to, to divorce truth, whatever truth you have out in the world from God uh, is, is not true. And so we want to be truthful people. And so we espouse Christian truth, which is the beginning of wisdom begins with the, the fear of the Lord right. and, and everything begins with God. And so, and, if, and the if, rest of the verse says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. And that's the point he's trying to make. Right, here, right. Right. And so if you want to say you don't believe that, then what else aren't you believing of from God's word? But the book of Proverbs is right. It has it right here that your beginning point is going to determine where you come out at the end. Like uh, we talked to uh, our, our plane analogy that he gave, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on in Chicago. I want to go to Boston, but I'm going to go to Atlanta and it doesn't have a connecting flight, but I really want to go to Boston. Well, right. 
fortunately, where you start is points you to where you end. Be self-conscious about your presuppositions. And he says that's his first piece of advice. All right, so you have them. You need to know them thoroughly. Be self-conscious about them. Realize there's no such thing as neutrality because everybody has them. Mm-hmm. And you do too. And you need to recognize them and uh, understand them. And they have to do with uh, his second notion here, which is make sure that what you think as a Christian is governed and corrected by the word of God and not by worldly traditions, right? That's, so that's his kind of his second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Page 70 there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, his second take here. And he gives this quote here from uh, Colossians, and I probably should read it so yeah. we can have some context here. Uh, Colossians 2, 3 through 8, he says, In whom are all the treasures, so Paul is talking about Jesus Christ here, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge uh, deposited. This I say that uh, no one may delude you with pervasive, or I'm sorry, persuasiveness of speech. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, joking and joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As therefore you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in your faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Taste heed, and here's the key portion that he wants us to see here. Take heed, lest anyone rob you through his philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the elementary principles of the world, and not after Christ. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what he says here is make sure that what you think as a Christian is governed and uh, corrected by the word of God and not by these worldly traditions. He wants us to be aware of the fact that if we're not conscience, conscious that every truth depends on Christ or what we call the Christian worldview, that you know that which Christ reveals about uh, <laughs> himself and us in the world, then people can come along with persuasive speech and easily draw us aside. And that's what Paul is talking about right. here in uh, Colossians 2. Right. So in Colossians 2.8, um, he writes, Take heed, beware, be on the lookout, lest anyone would rob you. Be lest anyone make, you, make spoil of you through his philosophy and vain deceit, which is after the tradition of men, and he talks about that. But Paul does not say, don't do philosophy, Turn off your brains, <laughs> Christian. Just just read and listen to what I uh, have revealed to you. Don't ask questions. Well, that's where you get the the cult like behavior. Yeah. And uh, and and once they start feeding you uh, full of uh, sugar and brownies uh, and and love bombs, uh, you know that that's the time to uh, uh, bow out uh, right. or else. Uh, uh, and, th- and things tend to be cut off. Offer you to drink the Kool Aid. Right? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Forget any uh, any drinks there. So Paul's not saying don't do any philosophy whatsoever. Why? Because Paul is doing philosophy right there. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. But what he does say is he says be careful of philosophy that is man centered. That's it. That's centered on man. That's not centered on Christ. Yeah. Right. Worldly traditions. The the man centered view of things. You know, is what he's warning yeah. against. Let's take the most uh, narcissistic, uh, um, self-centered way that we could we could take a philosophical system that's not uh, you know uh, uh, supported by the, the the mainstream of science. So let's just say, do what makes you feel good. That that's 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 what you need to do in life. And and uh, I'm c- going to come around and say, doesn't God want you to be happy? If there exists a God, he wants you to be happy. And so you should be able to do whatever you want in your life. And, and that applies to everybody. 
And and so there's there's that person's so, so that's faith that's commitment. by the way that's called ethical egoism. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. I'm 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 coming up with the good stuff. And so you do anything that makes you happy, including lie, cheat, steal, because it's for your benefit. You're only here for 70 years. Uh, you might pass on to your progeny, but you want to teach them probably the, the same thing as well, uh, but only if it makes you happy. And so th- that's what should drive you. And so uh, Drag t- Queen's uh, story hour, if it makes you happy, do it. As a Christian, don't you have issue with that? Aren't you going to say no? Well, why? Is it through through, oh, he just has a better philosophical system than you? Or do you already have a preconceived philosophical system that you are relying on, that you're combating it, and you're saying, no, I can't do that, and neither should you, and neither should anyone do that to, to children? That's what Paul's talking about here, is not don't do philosophy, it's don't do man-centered philosophy. Right. And egoism is the, the most egoist thing that you can do, the most man-centered <laughs> thing. He doesn't say that all philosophy is bad. He says, be careful of a particular kind of philosophical thinking, and that is one not after Christ. Right. And so he tells us it's very important then as we develop our Christian worldview that we are self-conscious about what we believe, that we be aware of our presuppositions, also that we make sure presuppositions are governed and corrected by the word of God not worldly traditions, right? Not mere what men have to say. And so that means that we must become good students of the Bible. Uh, if, if we don't pay attention to the Word of God, we will not self-consciously develop the Christian outlook, right? So we need to know the Scriptures. All right. Must be self-conscious about your presuppositions. Must be governed and corrected by the Word of God. And third, you need to recognize the ultimate authority of God in everything you believe and do. Nothing takes precedence over the Word of God. Nothing. Right? That's what we believe as Christians. That's the guiding principle. Uh, is, is it only for faith, life, and morals? Is it only for salvation purposes? Are we the Peter ends of, of Christians who uh, <laughs> it, nothing really is really true in the Bible except that leads to salvation? And those are like three three words uttered in the Bible, maybe, uh, that uh, might have happened and as reported. Uh, sure, we'll, we'll take that way. Or do we believe you know, it, it, it all there? So that doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to reconsider your interpretation of God's word. I've gone through that before and uh, changed my my base assumptions for uh, who God is and how salvation occurs or, um, you know, who... who, who, sh- who should we preach the gospel to? Is it just, uh, you know, the, 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 the people in our midst or does it need to be taken to the whole world? Uh, th- those, are, those are interpretations that we could get wrong and we can be corrected. But what are we being corrected by? It's by the word of God. It's, it's people showing us. It, it's, it's the Berean model. Uh, Paul says, here's, here's Christ your king. And they go, hold on, let me check that. And they turn towards the Old Testament and see, uh, okay, we know the prophecies of Isaiah here. Does it match up? Yes. So we have to uh, find out that we didn't quite have it right previously, and that's that's okay. But it must be your theological commitment that if the Bible teaches something, and to the degree that you believe the Bible does teach something, you cannot let anything get in the way of that commitment. So aliens come down, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going to bring you world peace, but you know what you got to do first is uh, you got to get rid of all religions, including uh, that nasty religion of Christianity. And you have to go they really aliens at this point or might they be something uh, otherworldly that uh, <laughs> that we may, might uh, might start uh, having exorcisms uh, 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 
there as well. And so, so there again, when, when you approach something and all people are going to do this, when they approach something, they're going to embrace it or they're going to be deflective of it based on their preconceptions to such a point in time where their base presuppositions gets turned like a changed heart, a changed life, a changed outlook of, of some kind. Those defeaters build up and then a revolution happens and then you have the, your new paradigm. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> about that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so this third one here is, is you know, that uh, we have to recognize that ultimate authority, uh, you know, in everything that we do and believe is, is, is God and his word. And he says here that, you know, most people take the Gallup poll approach the right. truth right <laughs> they uh they may not self-consciously do it uh, you know they may not explicitly tell you that that's what they're doing but that's what they do the mentality mentality here he says is that we find out the truth by counting noses yeah. right? how many people say this how many people say that the majority is always right right that's the gallup poll ap- approach here and he says that we mustn't let contrary voices get in the way or adopt the gallup poll mentality it's, it's how we get away from the uh, into the heliocentric model it's it's how the abolitionists stop getting shot and hung and and slavery is defeated it, it, you know it, it's it's it, only applying to the majority uh, t- tends to wind us on the uh, the wrong side of history for That's those right. of us that care about those things. He says discover, de- determining truth is not an epistemological democracy right? <laughs> <laughs> where the voice of the people is the voice yeah. of God. He it's says, easier to get lost it, in the crowd right? that way. Yeah. And you don't have to you don't have to be bold at all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the word of prophecy made sure is uh, is uh, what uh, he's going to talk about here on page seventy six. Is so, that so he gives us some examples here, yeah. really, right yeah. from the scriptures, really, yeah. really good ones. Uh, so he says that there are other. things things that you must not let get in the way. This may sound funny, but he says, hear me out. You must not let the facts get in the way either. The facts? Yeah. Well, I know. It's just, just the facts, man. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's what us Christians do. We close our Joe eyes to Friday the facts. Joe from Dragnet will turn over <laughs> in his grave, right? <laughs> but what he's not saying is, well, then the facts be hung. As if we're going to close our eyes to anything. (laughs) I want you to understand, though, that what you see to be a fact and how you interpret a fact will be governed by your presuppositions. And that's what he's been talking about all along. And that's what we talked about with things like neutrality and uh, preconceptions and throwing and hurling facts at people. You know, you, you can convince somebody, okay, yes, maybe Jesus existed. But how do you then say and trust on him for your salvation? How do you how do you prove sin and salvation yeah. in, 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 in that context. Well, yeah. it's, it's a bit harder. Or, you know, what about the guy that says dead men do bleed? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. There's all the facts. Yeah. And, you know. Cut off his hand. Yeah. He starts feeling woozy. <laughs> well, I'm just going to sleep. You kill him and then he'll convince him that he's, he's dead then, yeah, which know. is different yeah. Yeah. than yeah. before. <laughs> so, uh, so he's going to give us some illustrations here. The first one uh, from the new Testament is second um, Peter. Uh, one, uh, 16 through 19. And mm-hmm. most folks may be, or many folks may be uh, familiar with this passage, right? Peter says that we did not follow cutting, uh, cunningly devised fables. when We made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses. There it is of his majesty, right? But that's evidentialism. That's evidence. How dare we? <laughs> so Peter is saying here that we saw Jesus. We saw his glory. Peter's thinking obviously about the experience, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Where he saw the glory of God and, you know, Moses and Elijah on the Mount. And he was there. He experienced it. He saw with his own eyes. He heard God from heaven. All of his senses were involved, right? In fact, he even yelled out some 
ridiculous. Let's make <laughs> tents for you, Jesus, and the other two, right? yeah. or something like that. Right? Yeah. And, and they also had a paradigm to, to overcome as well is because they were waiting for the Messiah to come and reestablish the throne of David, which is definitely a physical throne in the middle of Jerusalem and kick out the Romans. And now is the time for the, the, the Messiah to come and kill, slaughter and destroy. And then he comes in a baby form. He grows, he learns, and then he t- tells uh, people, including those, those dirty half breeds that, uh, if they come to him and worship uh, at the at the true temple, which was him, that he would give them, uh, you know, salvation and forgiveness of their sins and a, a new home and heaven above. And, and whoa, hold on, this isn't what <laughs> I was expecting. And then he comes to to realize that his prior commitments, his while his theological um, uh, proclivities were were correct in the direction that they were, his understanding of what the Messiah would do at, at the, the first coming uh, is different than what he was expecting. And so he uh, constantly, especially Peter, uh, had to overcome those preconceived ideas until they were uh, finally overturned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes by harsh words of Jesus, <laughs> which is what we all need. Right. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to say, if we look at what uh, Peter says in uh, 2 Peter uh, 2.19, that we have the word of prophecy more sure Whereunto we do well that we take uh, heed as unto a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in our hearts. Peter says, I was an eyewitness of the majesty of Christ. And then he goes on to say, but we have the word of prophecy more sure. More sure than what? Seeing it. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Seeing Jesus, right? I saw the transfiguration. <laughs> I saw the, the, the water, wine, uh, uh, the breaking of, of fish and loaves and multiplication. I saw healings. I did the healings. And the word of God is more sure than, than even that. More sure than what? More sure than even my eyeball experience. Peter was there. He could appear on the eyewitness news of the ancient world, uh, even right. before Morse code, so you can right. do the... <laughs> and he tells about what Jesus and what uh, what he saw, and yet he says the word of prophecy is more sure even than what I saw with my own two eyes. And, and so this is an amazing statement. I mean, think about it. Here's this man that experienced this stuff, and he says, you know what? Uh, my experience is, you know are not as sure as what the word of God says, right? Yeah. In other words, he's realizing that facts don't rule necessarily the day, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's having the word of God as his ultimate authority. And I think, and that's the point he's trying to make here. The word mm-hmm. of God is the ultimate authority. Now, that doesn't mean we dismiss facts and that, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, you know, I can't believe my eyes and my lion eyes, right, <laughs> right. kind of thing. But I think the point is extremely important, right, that these facts don't necessarily, as I mentioned, rule the day, right, because there is a, uh, we have presuppositions. We have to know it's a toaster, we have to know that that it's plugged in. We have to know which buttons to push. All, you know, we have to assume that it will heat up when we put the bread in there. So there's all kinds of things. It's more than just putting the bread in there, pushing a button, and then having yeah. toast. Science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we see this uh, in Scripture, too. You know, the the, the, the Delphi prophetess that, uh, that um, 
the spirit is cast out from them. Well, she was prophesying true things, true fortune teller things. And so uh, do we take that as the word of God because true things set forth? No, there's a prior commitment to understanding that even the devil can can masquerade as these. Or uh, the, the two men going around and casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Jesus, is, is this okay? Can can he do this? They're not part of the 12. It's not part of the, the, the inner circle that, that you've caused to go out. And Jesus says, uh, no, if, if they're ca- casting out demons in my name, then uh, they're with us. And they're, you know, the, the, the house divided cannot stand uh, and, and those, those prior commitments. So, so uh, the, the word of God there informs even those experience of seeing true things and uh, coming back and saying, okay, we need to make sure that uh, th- this is, this is our, our, our kind of secondary launching off points are, are grounded in uh, our, our first cause, which is the word of God. And, and so uh, um, Jesus uh, makes um, uh, a similar point in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 31. Mm-hmm. Right? This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And notice Jesus tells a story here that the rich man is in hell and, is tor- and, and you know, he's in torment. He sees Lazarus, who's, you know, in the bosom of Abraham. And knowing what could have he had, he cries out. Uh, asking if it would be possible for him to go back and warn his brothers on earth about this terrible place. They hear it from me. They'll believe that's, that's right. what you want. Right. And I care about them. These Look at the, the love facts. that he has. This is what you're going to happen. You know, so, you know, you need to change, right? Jesus, uh, you know, has Abraham say in that, in that parable, no, you can't go back. Why? Well, because they have Moses and the prophets. And if they hear not them, Right. Neither will they believe it if one were raised from the dead. Right. (laughs) Really? Right. So even if a person is raised from the dead, right, you have facts. Yeah. And he says, yeah, but that won't. They they already have the scriptures. Yeah. They don't believe them. Why would we think they're going to believe the scriptures? When uh, uh, Solomon's going to the witch of Endor and a dead person uh, uh, talks to her for the first time ever, not a demon, but but. The, the prophet himself, and then she gets scared. There's no, oh, I'm I'm suddenly believing in your God. It's like, uh, I don't know what to do here. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> how, right. how dare you trick me into thinking this was the not the king. It's clearly the king. I'm out of here. Uh, so so just uh, responding to even someone predisposed to a belief of, of afterlifey things isn't suddenly <laughs> going to uh, uh, turn turn their faith towards uh, the, the true truth. Right. But wait a minute, Jesus. If they had the facts, if they had miraculous facts, if they had resurrection facts in front of them, wouldn't they believe? And Jesus says, no, because it begins with hearing Moses and the prophets. It begins by submitting to the word of God. And, uh, you know, Habermas is awesome and he's he's got his minimal facts and it's persuasive and, and people have been saved by those 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 facts as well. But not everyone's convinced. Well, here are the minimum facts that we can prove to show that you know uh, Jesus existed and he died on the cross here and he rose again and he was seen by people and he ate food and all these things uh, that 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 we can prove within you know uh, these stories popping up pretty much immediately uh, uh, from the resurrection. Why don't those facts that we can just throw at people? Here's six facts you believe and you're a Christian. All right. Well, true. Uh, Jesus being raised from the dead is one of those big ones. But why doesn't everyone believe? It's because there's underlying commitment to 
other things other than the word of God. And so we need to understand that. So only in terms of your submission to the word of God, do miracles make sense? Only then can they be accepted and interpreted properly. But if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, all the rest will make no difference. If in a world where, where universes pop into existence at least once, who is to say that that dead person doesn't pop into existence That's again right. at least once? And he just had a really good, uh, you know, he should have played the the Mega Billions lottery, and he should he should have bought right. his ticket because he, he said he would rise from, from the dead. You can, yeah, that's right. And he you can win the lottery. Right? I mean, that's pretty good. He he was just an odd sure, player. And everybody, I mean, the lottery is won right sometimes. Right, right. So hey, you know, things happen. That, right. That person, one hundred percent of that time that they played, so it's possible. Right. So what's he saying here? He says, well. I after, you know, as you develop a Christian worldview, first, you must be self-conscious, conscious, conscious about your uh, presuppositions, right? Second, you must be governed and corrected by the word of God and not human traditions. Third, you must honor the ultimate authority of God, right? In other words, let God be true, but every man be yeah. found a liar. You must honor the word of God, even when the apparent facts are against it, right? You must recognize the word of prophecy is more sure than even your experience, and that's how high the authority of the word of God is to be for you. And then fourthly, he says what? Yeah, you must understand that the Christian worldview, God's word applies to every area of your life. Mm. Why? Because that's exactly what God says it happened. It's not, oh, God just made uh, this corner of the world and he put his people into it and then everyone everyone else can can do what he wants because, uh, you know, the the, the tertiary gods made those, or uh, Satan's the one that uh, that took took the dirt from my side, and he made he made this little world over here, and uh, you're 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 able to do whatever you want over there, and uh, and and lie, cheat, and steal, and that's fine over there, <laughs> but only in this area right here is where where truth abounds. Or only on Sundays are you, are <laughs> right. you to live a right. Or, yeah. Or yeah. only at church or whatever, right? Right, right. <laughs> so when, when, I'm, when I'm a reporter, I'm out in the world and I'm trying to make only objective statements, I have no preconceptions. I'm only giving you the objective facts. Well, how do you do that when you have things like Politicians, or you know, uh, all, all these things that that are you know are are do, pre, do preconceived. Do we really want to go uh, into the there with <laughs> talking about the media? The, 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 there was a fire. Uh, yeah. a, a fire happened. Uh, things look suspicious. Oh, that's a preconception because yeah. things may not look suspicious. Because as well. it's mostly it's yeah, it's mostly yeah. peaceful. Fi fires fires happen every <laughs> single day. You know, so all, all these things, but. Everywhere, uh, God made all things, and and uh, whatever view you take on on Genesis, uh, it's clear that God is the God of the world of the universe, and and He is sovereign over it all. And so you cannot have the idea that Christianity or the Word of God is for some narrow domain, some slice of life, it is for everything you do, everything you think, and everything you say. Oh, uh, you know, uh, the, the the sure it was founded on uh, America was founded on Christian principles, but. Uh, you can only have uh, 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 devoid of all religious belief in schools because uh, th that's that's the establishment clause. Well, how do you remove if 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 uh, if your uh, belief of of evolution is is opposite of what you believe in? That could be from a Muslim perspective, a Christian perspective, could be from a, a person's perspective that doesn't take uh, any of those. Uh, it just believes that. Uh, uh, teaching that we're all animals is is wrong. Uh, then then aren't we teaching a religion of some kind? So saying, oh, we're devoid of specifically this Christian ideal in here. 
well, something has come in and re- and replaced it, and that's a, a secularism thing. And uh, oh, it doesn't have a belief in God. Well, a religious uh, perspective is more so than just do you believe in God? Yes. Okay. Well, then it's a religion, and uh, and the the Supreme Court has ruled on on that as well. Mm. Mm. So to develop an effective Christian worldview that can refute all comers, you must learn to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And that's every thought. Right. It's also why uh, Jesus speaks of those things that, that aren't just only actions. Uh, put, you know, put a parapet around your roof in case somebody comes up there and sleeps and they fall off. Well, you have to be concerned about your neighbor. That's what loving your neighbor is. Oh, so I have to be thoughtful of my neighbor, even under this, this, um, uh, event that might not take place. Or, uh, if you hate your brother in your heart, it's the same thing as killing him. And you violated the commandment. If you lust after a woman, you've, you've committed adultery. Well, you care about my thoughts too. Yes. Every thought captive, everything that comes under the word of God, including thoughts, actions, the, 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 what's in the belly, what comes out of the, the, past the tongue and that snake, that snake tongue that you're not supposed to, uh, to trust uh, along with your, your, uh, deformed heart because That's of right. sin. So thoughts, motives, desires can all be sinful yeah. right? or, or they can all glorify God, right? Yeah. But you have to make those types of decisions, right? Yeah. Or, or you don't have that understanding of what, God, God's word says, and there's just a narrow, uh, God wants to save you because you're, you're that cool. Okay. <laughs> he says, you know, if every thought is to be brought into captivity into the obedience of Christ and the effectiveness of our apologetic will be measured by our ability to see Christ in everything that we say and do. And so he says, that's what we need to work toward. And he's going to do that in the chapters ahead. Uh, he's going to show us that by explaining what, uh, what philosophy is, he's going to talk about that, what kinds of, of philosophies are out there so that we know the op- what the opposition looks like, and we have some strategies for dealing with it. So that's where he's headed in the next few chapters, right? Right. right. What is philosophy? What does the opposition look like? What are some strategies that we, we can have to deal with? position mm-hmm. and thus the name of the book against all opposition right. exactly right? <laughs> yeah and uh the other two books uh also deal with that as well uh pushing the antithesis i believe is the the one where it's like okay let's look at what the other side does and what are the preconceptions on on their end and uh what is what does inconsistency look like uh, how can we attack that position from an internal critique and so um those books also uh lend really well into into this and uh, gives you kind of a fuller picture of what, oh, it's just, you just quote the Bible at them and, and th- that's all it is. It's like, no, you quote the Bible at yourself and you make sure you're doing what the, the Bible says and, that's right. and, and, and you're, you're living out what you actually believe. And we're, we don't have to give over uh, everything to the academics and say, okay, I, I believe this and cause it makes it easier for, for me to argue. And I don't have to, I don't have to talk about the God's word being true because uh, I just have kind of a g- generic sense of, 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 philosophy being possible and I can just uh, then argue philosophical ideas and write a stalemate and no one's ever convinced. And uh, you know, what's the point of it to, to have true beliefs? It's, is it salvation? Uh, Is it, it, or is it declaring uh, God's word to be true? Even in the, the midst of Caesar in the midst of the King in the midst of the crowd in the midst of people that are hurling rocks in the midst of uh, your own family that uh, kicks you out because of, of your belief. Mm. Those things are dangerous and earth-changing, and it's turned the world upside down once before, and uh, I'll, I'll allow it to continue to do that so that 
uh, the world looks at us uh, in, in an upside down manner so <laughs> that we don't look like the world. All right. Uh, so uh, thanks again for joining us. And uh, we'll come back uh, to talk about uh, uh, how both sides are neither neutral and, and uh, hone on that a little bit more next time. So thank you and see you next time. See you next time.